Welcome to another free first hour episode of the Higher Side Chats. I know we want to get into the action, but I have to ask that you help me armor us up a bit for the bumpy road ahead. Because I bring you the first hour of this show without unrelated ad nonsense as a proof of concept. And if you value it, then come over to THC Plus for the $8 a month and hear the full two-hour interviews as they were designed to be and as you would enjoy them most. Go to thehiresidechats.com or just click the link in the show notes to get started and within a minute you'll be plugging in your new Plus Show RSS feed into a hopefully decentralized podcasting 2.0 supported app. Feed the things you want to grow and starve the things that gotta go and we will reach the promised land. Think about that and enjoy the show. In the 1930s, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt addressed the nation through a series of radio broadcasts known as the Fireside Chats. His aim was to reassure the common man that our society would recover from its troubled times. Well, we're far from 1930, and I deal with a different kind of fire. For a new era of worldly frustration, we offer a fresh conversation. I'm Greg Carlwood, and these are the Fireside Chats. Let's go, Higher Side Chatters, doing the thing from sunny San Diego, I'm Greg Carlwood. And if you've ever been unfortunate enough to find yourself in court, then you're familiar with the strange soup of language, processes, timing, and ritual that make you feel as empowered and informed as a trip to the principal's office in a Peanuts cartoon. You can't understand what's being said, you don't know where or when to stand, and the room itself seems strangely structured to intimidate and make any unfamiliar person pretty uncomfortable. And yet, in an age where the president is making decrees about forcing vaccination on as many people as he thinks he can, EMF radiating smart meters are being installed without consent, and 5G towers are steamrolling through neighborhoods that didn't ask for them with no obvious recourse, Maybe this backwards Babylonian law structure can be useful for those who learn the game beneath the game. Well, years ago, today's guest Cal Washington found himself thrust into court during his divorce, and after feeling grossly unprepared and unequipped for what goes on in this strange and foreign land of the courthouse, he dedicated himself to learning the processes and techniques they don't want you to know to actually use the legal system for his benefit. And after several arrests and a lot of trial and error, Cal developed a legal strategy for fighting back against the tyranny of the capstone cabal, and has applied it to pumping the brakes on their 5G smart meter mass vaccination plans by founding the In Power movement and sharing these tools through their growing network. He's seen judges walk out of the room, politicians retire, and energy company CEOs resign. So it's clear to me that something is working here, and we should know more about it. Here he is, the brave cracker of the legal code, merchant law system, script flipper, and true champion of the people, Cal Washington. Welcome to the higher side. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. That's quite the introduction. If not the best one I've ever heard, that's just amazing. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Wow, I appreciate that. And I definitely like to try to get people fired up and give them some context for the things we're going to talk about. and. This is really an exciting one for me. I've done a few interviews over the years with people who have tried to navigate the sovereign citizen legal fiction straw man space or those who claim to have found a silver bullet for winning court cases, but the claims tend to fall short of the reality. I've always felt like there was something buried in all of this that was useful, 
but I haven't really seen anyone as organized as you guys are using these tools that clearly are having results. And I know every interview starts with a little background, but talk to us about your road to uncovering the things that you teach in the Empower movement. How did this all unfold? Well, as you said in the intro, it started with a divorce. And when you're getting a divorce, you're kind of forced to be there. There's no options. And then when you get into a child support thing, again, you're forced to go. And they will throw you in jail if you don't show up and all that kind of stuff. So it was very oppressive. And I just tried to figure out why this was happening to me in a so-called free country. So it was just that questioning what is happening that was really the impetus for finding out what the truth was. So the Bible adage, seeking you will find. And I just kept seeking and kept trying things until something, you know, I got the results that I was looking for. So that's really all it was, is just trying to figure this out and try different processes and ideas and arguments. And when I saw a judge run out of the room, then I I thought I was on to something and it turned out I was. So that's the short story. Yes. Let's talk about that. The first time you really saw some results, what happened in that specific instance? Well, it was a driving without insurance case and I probably had a couple appearances on that. I'd done a couple of processes, probably had been arrested you know, I'm going by memory, but I was arrested so many times and probably had signed a promise to appear. So they were ignoring most of that, all that stuff, the name game, all the things that I had tried. So I took a course on commerce and the light bulbs were going off over the two or three days that we were there. And I saw in context of what I was now learning, the mistakes that I had made it all started to make sense why, you know, I wasn't winning in court per se. I was making mistakes in commerce and then it just all was like, oh, that's why, that's why, oh, oh. And so I had epiphany after epiphany, came back, bonded the case, which is part of commerce, indemnifying myself. Then on the next appearance, same judge, we're waiting outside the courtroom because we don't like doing the stand-up when the judge comes in. They always do the all-rise, and the sheriffs were getting quite aggressive because we weren't standing. So we would wait until the judge came in the room, if we were going to sit in the room, or we would just wait in the hallway. So we were waiting in the hallway at this time, and they called my case inside the room. I wasn't there, so then they paged outside into the hallway. And so I heard my name, and as we walked into the door the judge was running off the bench. And I mean running. It's not an exaggeration. He was hightailing it as if I came in with a gun. Or somebody came in with a gun or somebody shot a gun. He was moving that fast. He was like out of there. We were still sort of in the doorway and everybody's looking at each other like, what's happening here? Because the judge just left the room and now we're all, we're all just kind of staring at each other. What's going on? Then the sheriff said, all rise, like a question, and I guess we're taking a break. So that's how that went, and that was different than how I had anything that I had seen up to that point. Even when it was happening, I didn't know that it was because of something I had put into the case. 
I was just as confused as everybody else. Like, why is this guy running? As we, you know, thought about it later that day and tried this thing over and over, we saw the same kind of results. Mm-hmm. So you use the term, you bonded the case, you indemnified yourself. What do these terms really mean? I guess I've heard you talk about this before, and it seems like in every court case, someone is bonding it. Someone is putting up the money. As you say, you learned about commerce, and it kind of had this huge overlap with our legal system. What does that mean to bond the case, and how can people better understand how to use that aspect of a court case for their benefit? Well, it's complex. You got to learn how to bond, but any commercial endeavor has to have some indemnification to make sure that somebody isn't getting harmed. So there are bonds on every case, and then each participant usually has some kind of an indemnity bond for their personal self as well. So bonding is just a way of, if you're in a position where you could cause commercial harm, then you need to be bonded in order to make sure that there's recourse for the person who ends up losing. People are bonded in all kinds of situations at work, etc., because of the nature of what they're doing. They need to have that indemnification. So a judge is like that. Lawyers are, are like that. So bonding is just a way of indemnifying anything that happens that I cause that somebody gets harmed financially. There is a way to get some remedy. Fair. And most people just aren't aware of this. And through, I guess, a complex process, you can actually bond your case. And then when a judge sees that, that's when they're like, "Uh oh, this guy kind of knows how to read between the lines of our legal system. And I'm just going to get out of here for this one and come back to the 99 out of 100 who don't know how to do that. Is that kind of the gist? That's kind of the gist. So, yeah, it's just indemnifying yourself. Now, what happens because of the birth certificate, everybody is bonded anyway. You just don't know it. So it's hard to say how much they are willing to allow as a bond for you. But when you do it knowingly, you can actually put an amount in. And if that amount is larger than all of the other bonds in there, then there's a chance that once their bond has been exhausted, then their personal assets can be collected. So that's the system. Yes, I know liability is a big aspect to all this. And of course, that's a kind of financial liability that they don't want to incur at all. And let me ask you more about really merchant law. That's kind of the umbrella term for some of this. But you write on the website that in the Middle Ages, the law merchant's court ran separately from the king's court. In the later half of the 1700s, Lord Mansfield, under the king's instruction, it is assumed, officially fused the law merchant into the common law. This is a historical fact. The judges were told to take judicial notice of the law merchant. Over time, common law has become more and more merchant law, to the point where everyone has been made into a merchant through the birth certificate and the ensuing person's corporations that arise from it. Thus, almost all, if not all, court cases actually fall under merchant law. However, the fusion of the two has never been openly discussed, and now the courts make what is termed summary judgment instead of the proof needed in pure common law. 
Well, obviously that's a lot, but talk to us more about why this was done, this merchant law, bait and switch, and how it's more beneficial to the system itself. Well, merchant law moved very quickly. That was the main, one of the main positive aspects of the law merchant. You could get a judgment in hours, not months. And this was due to the fact that the merchants were very transient. So if there was international fairs, the merchants traveled and they could easily disappear. Same thing with ships. Ships tended to move with the tide. So if there was a problem with anything on a ship, with the cargo on it or the crew or anything, any argument about what was on a ship or the ship itself, that ship could disappear at high tide and you may never see that again in your lifetime. So Law Merchant moved very quickly. It was hours. You could get summons three times, you know, once an hour to appear at this tribunal type thing. So that was the beauty of it. And the merchants liked it. It was very balanced, and you got to the root of the matter, and there was always remedy, and it happened very quickly. The common law court, particularly in England, was very slow, and you had to prove things, and it just took months. And depending on what the cargo was and the ship that had to go, this was not practical. So a lot of people liked the law merchant better than the common law courts, and it was almost like a competition. And people liked it much better. So they fused it in, and then the judges were told to use, you know, it's still the common law court, but if there was a merchant-type dispute, they were to move as a law merchant court. Over time, because they're both operating out of the same courtroom and the same judge, you could easily start to move everything towards commerce. And then in the um, in the 1900s, you know, I mean, they really moved everybody into commerce by creating the birth certificate and turning you into a merchant, and therefore all the merchant laws apply. And some of these laws are or customs are quite strange to non-merchants, including bills of exchange and the way that they would print money out of nothing. So all of that stuff stems from those days, and we just don't see it because we're not told. And that's the issue. We're treated like merchants, but we don't understand that we are merchants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well said. And so I'm going to skip some of the context to get to the results, because we have heard people talk about this stuff before, and it's really hard to sort out whose finger is truly on the pulse, but results speak for themselves. And so Knowing what the game really is, you've learned to craft a proper notice of liability and put the responsibility back on those with the agendas. Now we're talking about like smart meters, 5G, vaccinations. These are the big issues of, you know, freedom that you're trying to focus on. And this is where people should really start paying attention because talk to us about some of the early success the group has had in, say, Seattle and Detroit with the smart meters, because this is pretty impressive. Yeah, well, they kept the meters off, most of them in Detroit and Seattle. In Detroit, we made the mistake of publicly stating that, and they went after them. So there's still the odd one that has their original meter, but because we were publicly stating that, 
they really went after them aggressively within days. Like it was knee jerk. But around the United States, because we're not publicly stating it, we have people have kept their meters in full saturation and we've got lots of examples of it. Yes. In the video you have for the members, you talk about the attorney general of Michigan calling for a free opt-out. Three of the six city council members didn't seek re-election. In one situation, maybe this was Seattle's, the CEO of Smart, the Smart Meter Company and Utility Company resigned. Yeah. Maybe you can tell us who Kevin Lynch and Carol Taylor are, but yeah. by basically coming up with this notice of liability and delivering it back to these people, you got a lot of powerful influencers running for the hills and it's the resigning of some of these CEOs that I think is the most interesting but what happened in some of these situations well again yeah it's because we're using law merchant you're playing the game at the highest level of their highest level and it seems that those at the you know in those CEO positions understand this and those at a lower position on the pyramid don't seem to understand it. So we saw a lot of, you know, even outside of the smart meter thing, in my own cases, I saw a lot of very high level people step down. And it's not just one or two, it was a lot. So you start to go, you know, there's a cause and effect here. Now, it's not cause and effect where everybody stepped down that got documents, because it's not like that, but it does show cause and effect because it was statistically impossible to be coincidences that people would step down on the same day that they got a notice of default. So there is a cause and effect, but it's not 100%, but it is notable. And particularly the people that step down are usually very insider people. And if you understand what's really going on in the world, you don't get into these positions unless they have something on you in some way. They have to be able to trust that you're not going to spill the beans. So it's those people at the very top that seem to be the ones that got dislodged. And they're not that easy to replace because, you know, they have to kind of groom them through some kind of process in order to make sure that they can trust them in these positions. Yes. And so if a person allows, quote unquote, a smart meter or a 5G tower on their property, their silence is what, what's really happening is they're being offered an agreement. They're being offered a, a contract of sorts. And silence is an agreement because I guess that's just how they structure the deals. And as you've said, everything is contracts and there's four key elements to a legal contract. Talk to us about the structure of any contract and then maybe how these things apply to that first step of a notice of liability, which is, of course, the first step in the process that you guys are teaching people. Yeah, well, contracts have to have four elements and they get way more complex than that. But there has to be an offer. In other words, somebody is selling something or a service or offering something that they want to sell. Then there has to be a meeting of the minds, and that's where you discuss what it is, 
and how much you expect to be paid for it. And the buyer discusses what am I getting and how much am I paying for it. Then you come to an agreement on what it is and how much it's going to cost. That's called an acceptance. So you have to have an offer, an unconditional acceptance, the meeting of the minds, and then you have to have the actual transaction, which is consideration. Money has to move or the thing gets done or the thing gets to the buyer. So those are the four elements that must happen in order for it to be a valid contract. When I was asked to look at the smart meter issue, I realized that they were moving commercially, and that's the key. They are also moving commercially with the vaccines and the 5G. Even though they're pushing really hard on the vaccines, it's still an offer. You can see that they're using commercial processes, a lot of TV commercials, radio commercials, pushing, 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 peer pressure, all the elements of commerce. So they're moving commercially, not militarily, even though they're, these are weapons, in my opinion. They are moving them commercially. They're getting our agreement to the weapons of our own destruction. So once you can see that, then all you have to do, because there has to be the meeting of the minds, because they put an offer out, you can renegotiate the offer as it stands, because they're just saying, hey, you really want to take this because it's going to be good for your hydro bill, or it's going to be good for your health because of this COVID thing, or it's going to be good for your, in the 5G, for your phones and downloading and blah, blah, blah. But what they fail to disclose is it's a weapon. So you just renegotiate at that meeting of the minds and say, I see your offer. I will conditionally accept your offer. So you're moving into acceptance upon you proving that these are safe. It's impossible to prove a weapon is safe because it's not designed to be safe. It's designed to destroy something. And therefore, they can't do it. So what ends up happening is you go, if you still push this product on me, this weapon on me, after you have not proven it's safe, then I'm going to charge you X amount of dollars per day. Do we have a deal? Hmm. And you can just basically put any amount in that blank space and i guess legally if they take the action of putting the smart meter on your house they've kind of agreed to those terms is that what's going on exactly that's exactly <laughs> how it works it's how they're doing it to us we're just flipping the tables and the whole thing hinges upon them proving that these things are safe, which they can't do. Therefore, they are in the dishonor position. And if they move forward, then they have agreed to the contract, which they started. That's another key to this. It's their offer. Hmm. So they have to complete the contract. So you've seen people resign, both government officials and private company CEOs over this tactic. Have you ever seen a payout to someone who went through this? Like payment? Yeah. No, no, never. So what happens then? Well, the thing about it is, if you understand law merchant and you understand what a bill of exchange is, because we're billing and we have a solid reason to bill, in their system, a bill of exchange is money. So the bill itself 
has the value. And once you have that piece of paper, that can be used in, in various ways, which I won't get into, but sufficient to say that the bill is money in their system. Fair. So yeah, we obviously are talking broad strokes because legalese is quite complex, but first you send the notice of liability and then if nothing's done or if they continue to just proceed with what they were planning and kind of ignore that document, then you send a notice of default, which is to say, hey, these counter terms that I enacted have not been abided by. And so here's your notice of default. Here's your notice of a true bill. As you say, the bill is yes. what's important. Mm -hmm. And this is how the, the process proceeds. I would assume in most cases, they just ignore all of this. Is that the case? No, I would say about half of people get some kind of response. It's not a reply because we specify exactly how you must reply as well. Again, this is just contractual terms and agreements because they started a contract by offering. So now we counter, it's a counter offer. Here's how you have to reply. If you don't reply this way, then you are agreeing. And we say that over and over using tacit agreement, which is what they did in the first place. So once you have that contract solidified at the default stage, now there is an agreement. And if they proceed, like give you the thing or the service or anything near you or anybody under your care, then you can start billing them. Right, right. That's just such an interesting part of the process. So if my counteroffer is you got to prove this is safe and then you also got to pay me a million dollars a year and then they go ahead and put a 5G tower on my property, they basically on paper have agreed to those counter terms. It seems like at that point you would have cause for a lawsuit if they don't actually pay that fee that they kind of tacitly agreed to pay. Has it ever gone to a lawsuit stage? Well, you're technically correct, except the problem is the courts are corrupt. So you can go in there, but you're not likely to get any results. So that said, in law merchant, which is mano a mano, merchant to merchant, the bills do have value. And I'll just leave it at that. So the in their system, any evidence of a debt has the value of it on the face of it. And then in the market, it could be discounted depending on, you know, what the true value of that piece of paper is. Mm -hmm. So in your documentation, you say the notice of liability process has nine steps to it. The notice of liability, the notice of fault, the notice of default, three rounds of true bills, and then three notices of debtor. So a lot of these rounds are just follow-ups, establishing the legal paper trail. And then you say that ultimately these things all together create a valuable security. That's right. What is a valuable security? And when we get to that stage, hypothetically, like what can we do with that? Well, a valuable security, a mortgage is a valuable security. So the bank because you went in, and I don't want to get too far into what happens there, but the mortgage itself has a value because there's an expectation that 
the homeowner is going to pay X amount of dollars over a long period of time plus interest. So the piece of paper itself has value. You could sell that mortgage. Mm -hmm. And they do. They put them in mutual funds and et cetera. So because there's evidence of a debt, that's the best way to put it. And some of these evidences of debt are quite weak. So there's grades of paper, A, B, C paper, you know, because they put people into mortgages that they know are going to fail. So that would be like a degraded valuable security. So in the in the actual market value of it, it wouldn't have full value because there's a chance of default that the person may not be able to make these payments because they're in over their head and the house may not have the said value as well. So each piece of paper has market value in and of itself. But suffice it to say, it's evidences of debt are money. They have value in this upside down debt based system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. It's evidence of a debt. So you never know if that debt's going to be paid or not, but no one does on a mortgage or anything. But this is a legal structure that provides evidence that through this nine step process, no, a debt has been established and there's somebody who owes. And so, yeah, I could understand how just that structurally, legally does have value. And to talk a little bit about these issues themselves, the smart meter being the first one you really tackled. I mean, this is a big one because not only is the EMF exposure having negative health effects on people who are sensitive to them, but as you say in your video, in 2016, the government admitted it uses them for spying and they've said, we need smart meters so we can gather the data to adjust our habits, meaning we're going to use climate change legislation to throttle your energy use from the outside. So that's a really concerning overreach, something that we really haven't experienced before, and these digital technologies make it possible. But clearly, this is a fight worth fighting, isn't it? Absolutely. If this were to come to full fruition, which I don't believe it will, yeah, this could be a totalitarian system and with proximity weapons to eliminate or threaten to eliminate anybody that would dare to go against it. Mm -hmm. As you can see, some of the fires that have happened, there's some strange anomalies with them where trees and grass don't burn. The remains of the fire is not black the way wood would normally burn. It's gray. Everything gets decimated to nothing, to almost a white grayish powder. Metal is melting. Plastics don't melt, except if they're touching metal, etc., etc. So if you just look at those things, and I'm not trying to create fear, but there are things out there, and, and you have something on your house that is connected to that group of beings. Well said. And another weird little rabbit hole that relates to the fires is just that through so many different avenues, I've learned that there are ways to make it rain from kind of consciousness, energy-based indigenous practices, which, you know, some people still doubt, but there's a lot of data in that sphere, to Cloudbusters from Wilhelm Reich, to various forms of cloud seeding. And I know that 
you know, geoengineering is a big red flag, but there's many different ways to, to do that. And there's many things that fall under the umbrella of geoengineering. The point being, there are ways to make it rain if you want it to rain. So this idea that year after year, we have to have these fires in certain areas, it really feels like they're pushing people off certain lands that they're trying to cause as much chaos as they can. But as, as much as there are weapons to make fire, it seems like there are also tools to make rain if they were wanting to implement that. Correct. And once you can see at that level, then you see what they're doing. And what I'm telling you is everything that they're doing in those veins is commercial. They were being clever doing that, but unfortunately, at least me and maybe some others can see it and therefore know what to do about it. And they weren't expecting that. Mm -hmm. I agree. And can you maybe elaborate on where you learned what you learned? This is such off the radar information. How did you come across it? By being in the court system and literally trying to figure out what was going on because I could tell it wasn't what I thought it was right away, you know, based on my, whatever I was taught about court through TV or school or whatever it was, it wasn't that, you know, this justice system. And then I started to study it and then I found out what it should be. And it wasn't that either because that didn't work. And then once I discovered what it is, that it's a commercial corporation, the court itself, that's when the game changed because now because it is a corporation it has to follow commercial laws and once you understand that and understand a little bit about how they work that's when you can prevail yes and let's talk about the mandatory vaccines a bit of course we're recording this right before october 1st when biden's mandates for businesses of over 100 employees to force the shot on their people goes into effect it's being forced on healthcare workers, police, and members of the military. So I see it as a compliance sorting mechanism. The only people left in the positions will be the most obedient. What orders won't they follow when we're talking to the military and the cops and anyone who works in the hospital system? That's got to be concerning when you really think about these institutions and their power and the implications of this situation. How is the in-power movement responding to this? What are your thoughts on this, I think, historic overreach of, of power from the government? Well, again, it's mostly, and each case is slightly different, but it's mostly a threat, if you want to put it that way. But they really are trying to make you quit rather than fire. And some people who have stood up and said, no, I'm not going to quit, the employer backs off especially if you switch the liability. You know, I'll take the shot if you'll take the liability. Well, all of a sudden, no, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so you can see that they're not, you know, a mandate, if you look up the word, it's not a law. It's, there's definitions for it. So what the government is trying to do, and this is happening here in Canada as well, is they're trying to get the businesses to enforce this in some way. How they do it is there's a date, you know, October 1st or October 12th. You need to have, you know, show proof of double vaccination and or blah, 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 blah. 
the insinuation is you can't work here anymore or you will be fired. But generally, the wording isn't quite that strong. It's more of a an insinuation. So I'm telling people, you know, just keep going to work until somebody actually keeps you from coming in or you get a piece of paper saying you are terminated from your employer and don't go into violence, but the door should be kind of tapping you on the bum as you go out. So then you are fired. It's different than quitting and you're in a different legal standing. So I think you'll find that some employers, not all, because it's not cut and dry like that. Nothing is cut and dry. So I think some employers will change their mind on trying to enforce something that the government is telling them to enforce, depending on how many employees they would be losing over this if they were to fire them. Because they got to look at their bottom line too. Like, how do I run my business if half my staff is gone? So they're hoping that people will just comply and or quit. But moving them towards an actual firing, that puts them in a bad position because they're firing them over something that could be arguably discrimination, going against privacy laws, practicing medicine, all kinds of things could come up if they actually had a piece of paper saying, I terminated that person. The whole game changes because they participated in something which later on could end up being used against them. Well said. I think those are really, really important points. I came from the world of retail and I saw many situations where a company would apply pressure on a person, make them feel like they're being watched. And there's so many regulations and, and policies within a company that no one's following all of them, but we all have leeway until you don't. And so they <laughs> put that pressure on the person. And I've seen some people quit due to that pressure. Like, well, they got it out for me. I'm just going to quit. And I saw other people wait until they were actually fired and fired for violating a company policy and on camera, yet they still went to court and they got uh, unemployment. So it does happen. And there is a massive difference between quitting and being fired. Right now, I'm seeing a lot of people maybe internet clout chasing by posting their resignations online. And everybody's like, good for you. Like the comments are full of supportive messages. And I'm sitting here like, wait a second. Why did you resign? Nothing has really happened yet. We're still in September. You got a week before this thing even is mandatory. And then you're just giving up. Why don't you stick it out and make them actually accept that liability? Again, it is all about liability. The first thing the vaccine manufacturers did is remove legal liability for any damages. And now the government is doing the same thing by mandating the companies to fire the people. It's like you put the companies in this middleman position and now we're about to see what happens. I agree with you. Wrongful termination. It's a useful term people should remember during all this. Exactly. And the whole thing is about liability, which is still commerce. That's what it's all about. Everything is about that. Mm. You can look at everything because it's all about, am I going to have to pay money? Right. And so... I guess, what is your prediction, I guess, knowing how this is all really structured in just a few days, this quote unquote mandate goes into effect. How do you think it's going to affect society? Well, I think there's going to be mixed things on this because each employer, you know, is going to have to look at 
the situation and go, well, I'm, I'm going to lose 40 of my 100 staff. Can I run like that? Right. Or am I going to let my business fail because of this mandate? So some are going to go, no, I see that this is a problem. This is harming me now, and I'm not going to do it. Others, you know, some of the bigger corporations, you know, if you look at like the bigger corporations, the CEOs are board members of this agenda. So yeah, those companies are going to push right to the end because they're part of the whole thing anyway. So there's going to be variables in all of that. It's not cut and dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we already see these huge staffing shortages across the shipping industry, restaurants, retail. Basically, every industry is having some kind of employment issues, and the government benefits are a big part of that because people are getting checks for not going to work, and they're afraid. So it's like, well, I can take this minimum wage job that I've always hated, and I can just not go to it now that I'm also afraid of this new layer of this virus that's out there. So. I will just stay home and, and, and stay out of the workforce as long as I can. And, you know, because this is a, a government policy, it's fair to say that these staffing shortages are by design. And now we're going to terminate the unvaccinated. It's like they really want to break the system and cause the very supply chain issues that I think this is going to cause. What do you think? Is the supply chain a big concern to you in the next 60, 90 days? Again, it's going to be variable, but they are trying to break down our societal systems and go to something new. But it's the same thing that the Germans tried in the Second World War, you know, this control thing. And if you look at the Bible, this is the fourth iteration of a world domination type of uh, empire. They're just using technology now. And so you're going to see variables depending on where you live and what's going on and who's participating. So it's going to be bumpy no matter what. Mm -hmm. I agree. And it's very telling that they're willing to lay off doctors and nurses who won't comply with the shot. Because if things were really overrun and there was really a dangerous pandemic, they wouldn't be laying off anybody. But also, these are the people who have worked firsthand with all the COVID patients in the hospitals for the last almost two years now. If they've been in the trenches more than anyone else and they say, nah, I'm not going to get the shot. I'd rather take my chances. Shouldn't we ask some follow-up questions? Shouldn't we ask why they're not rushing for the vaccine, as one might suspect? Maybe those coming in with vaccine damage are scaring them more than COVID did. Because that's the logic that I'm seeing. You know, if you were critically thinking, you would go, yeah, these people were around it the whole time for a year and a half, and now all of a sudden they need to be vaccinated? So what's going on there? Like, why didn't they need to be vaccinated before? They are still alive. They're still working there. So what is the difference between last year and this year? And don't talk about variants. You know, it doesn't make any sense. And these are people who are educated. Number one, they went to school. Number two, a lot of them have a lot of experience, which, you know, you can't underestimate that. These people have seen stuff over their careers. And if they're saying, ah, no, I'm not taking that vaccine, it's usually educated decision. It's not like, oh, I saw something on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like yesterday's heroes are just today's villains. And 
how quickly the script can flip. It's just crazy. And then you hear Biden coming on the news saying that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Well, he also says 200 million people are vaccinated, but cases are 300% higher than they were this time last year. The math does not check out at all. <laughs> no, I saw one where he said more than the population of the United States. It's just, you know, like, oh, dude. <laughs> well, it really seems like they're <laughs> propping him up with popsicle sticks and bubble gum because he's barely <laughs> alive at this point. Yeah, it's bad. And people that are listening to him, in light of that, you got to be, you know, again, your critical thinking is just gone. Like, just have a look. It's so bad, so blatant that, you know, again, going back to commerce and contract, I believe there is a God and I believe this is going to be their argument. We put it right in front of them. And if they couldn't figure this out with all this blatant information out there, then they have agreed to this. Yeah, fair enough. I did want to ask you about the spiritual aspects of all this, actually, because a lot of folks claim the natural law or spiritual jurisdiction to be the highest above all this predator class created man-made stuff. And I've heard researchers talk about karma and this weird need for the elite to tell us what they're doing in advance so their karma is clear and it was our choice. And I'm kind of on the fence with a lot of that, but it does seem like they try to put special attention into doing things in very specific ways, maybe because they are bound by some higher spiritual regulations that they don't even want us to be aware of. What do you think? I agree. And you can call it karma if you want, but really it's just contracts. Once you see contracts, they're everywhere. And so they are trying to fulfill that one section of what makes a contract, the meeting of the minds, full disclosure. Mm -hmm. So they have to put it out there in order for us to agree to it. And, you know, they veil it, etc. But it's there if you're looking. But if you just listen to the TV, whatever's going on with that, you know, you're getting some bad information, in my opinion, and you're just believing it because it's being pumped into you over and over. And maybe they're using technology, maybe they're not. But even just repetition of something, our brains pick it up subconsciously and you just start to believe a lie or you have the potential to believe a lie. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you think contracts exist on a spiritual level? Absolutely. Like they're baked into the universe? Yeah. Hmm. And you can see it. The Bible itself is a contract and it's called a covenant. God calls it a covenant, which is a contract. It's just a very solemn one that he doesn't break his covenants. It's written in the Bible over and over. Those are contracts. Interesting. It's just kind of fun to think about mechanisms of the universe that exist outside of this man-made legal system, and that that would be derivative of some universal law and some universal process of contracts and accepting or not accepting them. And I guess that's just the way the world works. Correct. And once you see it, it starts to make sense. So what we've got here is a version of that. They create the illusion that there's contract. And they've taken a very solemn sort of idea of contracts in a free will universe, and they have manipulated it so that it looks like it's contract, but it's really just 
more control and breed and all that stuff. But technically, yes, it's still a contract. Right on. So the problem that I've always had with those who focus on the, well, the elite need to tell us what they're doing before they do it element to all the agendas that come out is who really knows if they've been told enough? Like some of those folks would cite award show ceremonies or the opening of the Olympic games. And it's like, well, look at this highly esoteric thing that's going on and the foreshadowing and all of it. And it's like, well, there has to be some third party judge to make a judgment on if that was properly telling people, because if I whisper something under my breath and say, Hey, if you don't run right now, I'm going to shoot you. And then I shoot that person. I say, well, I'm cleared because I told them I was going to do this. It's like, well, yeah, you told them in a way that they couldn't actually hear you. So did you really tell them? It just gets kind of weird with the nuances of has a person really been told is this a violation of free will? It seems like they're skirting around the edges of all this stuff, but it seems like the implications are pretty serious. So you would want to be quite sure if you properly informed people or properly offered them a contract, because it seems like we're all ignorant. So does it really count? That's up to the ultimate creator judge to decide. But you can see in these last days, they are definitely moving commercially weapons it's obvious to me that that's what's happening so there is a reason they're trying to get that correct whether they actually have or not that's up to like you said a third party judge impartial judge to decide but it is very real the book of job starts with a court case in the very beginning and if you look at the case the case is job so at the highest levels there is a court case going on, and if you look in Isaiah, that Lucifer wants to dethrone and or replace God. That's the claim, and that's the ultimate thing that's going on here. So yeah, they got to give full disclosure, and they're, from my point of view, everything they're doing is commercial, and we are agreeing to it. We're participating. They got us with the phones in order to get to 5G. I can tell you this, if they were just putting up 5G towers out of nowhere, we'd all be complaining. That's true. We'd all be going, what's that? But because it came with, oh, cell phones, then 1G, 2G, 3G, 4G, we think 5G is just the next best thing to 4G. But actually, it's that's where it switches. Mm -hmm. Because we're so addicted to the phones, etc., and Wi-Fi, we're not looking at it that way. So it, it is an offer still in commerce it's still a commercial and they're just now moving weapons that way it is an offer it just seems to be uh heavily 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 suggested that you take that offer and people feel as if they don't have a choice but the elite clearly think they're playing by the rules or they wouldn't do things the way they do them and if anybody would know it would be them because we haven't been taught this kind of stuff and they seem to put a lot of energy into the spiritual aspects of things, even though they don't advertise them. I mean, I guess they know that they're playing by the rules. Well, here's the thing, because in the book of Job, there was appeal after appeal, and I think there's been appeals for eons. Here's the thing. The notice of liability from InPower, 
actually expresses clearly according to their own rules that you must disclose. Clearly. And we put it before the watchers, you know, that third party. So now they have the evidence in that third party from inside here going, no, they did not disclose. Clearly didn't, and we clearly asked them to. And we charged them money according to their rules, and they didn't pay. Yes, I like it. So basically you're taking away any vagueness that could possibly exist and just making it quite clear. Yes, all the way down back into statutory world even. Like, even though the courts are corrupt, you're still breaking those laws. You're breaking your constitutional laws. You're breaking commercial laws. You're breaking spiritual laws. Here it is, clearly expressed answer. You got 30 days or two weeks or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting tactic. I mean, clearly the results speak for themselves. And at a base level, it's just... Nice to fight back in any way we can and gum up the works. It's just like, <laughs> even if you aren't sure that this does anything, like if you're listening and you just haven't done the research and you're new to this and you're not sure, it's like, well, isn't it just a good practice to like clog up the system and at least present them with the perception that they're going to be liable for a bunch of stuff? I mean, these are still just people. I mean, these lower level foot soldiers it's probably the first time they've ever even considered liability in a lot of these cases. And a lot of this stuff is designed by fear and stress inducement. So why don't you put that back on the power pyramid and take it off yourself? Exactly. Like any war, including the American Revolution, those guys that signed that document, the Declaration of Independence, could have been hung for treason. Instead, they were heroes. The ones who were working with the Germans, it looked like they were winning. And then they weren't. So had they won, none of those people would have been tried for war crimes. It's true. <laughs> we're in that same situation here, people. And so those that are participating with this thing, if it doesn't go the way they planned, and they've been planning for a long time, and I'm telling you, it's coming apart faster than they're putting it together, you might want to reconsider and get out of there. Right. But let them fire you because you want that documentation because who knows how this unfolds. What if you resign from your position because you don't want a shot, and then two months down the road, the Supreme Court says, this is unconstitutional, you can't do this. And now you're sitting there like, man, I wish I had a document that showed I was fired for this reason. Instead, I just acquiesced. Exactly. Now you're in a tough position to try and get your job back because you quit. And, you know, how do you say, well, I was kind of forced to quit. Yeah, that, you know, it could go your way. But like Greg said, it's if you have a piece of paper that says you were fired, that's a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. And this liability thing, I also think it's partly why the power pyramid is structured the way it is because the queen or the Rockefellers or the Rothschilds, they're not putting a shot in your arm. They're not doing anything really except saying that they want that to happen in the world. And so I think people who are the actual foot soldiers, the lower level people on the totem pole, the ones who are injecting 
a thousand, two thousand people and their nine to five Monday through Friday job, you're the ones who need to be the most careful, I think. And I think this is also just the elite. They put their hands up and they say, hey, I didn't do anything. I just asked you to do it and I paid you some money to do it. Yeah. Again, back to commerce. Yeah. But again, in our in our document, we go notice the principal is notice the agent, notice the agent is notice the principal. So you can't hide. So even if you weren't putting the thing in there, you're still connected. The money goes either from you to do it and the profits go to you. Therefore, you're implicated by agency. And again, you guys set up this agency thing. You created this pyramidal structure and now you got to live by your own system. Mm. Well, I agree with you that it seems as if we are at a very potent point in the timeline and they're making some major plays that are going to, I would say, reveal their hand, hopefully, in a lot of ways. And I think people are going to have to wake up to some of this stuff or they will just get obliterated by it, really. So uh, it is definitely an important time. There's no doubt about it. And like you said earlier, the group mind, they can switch it very quickly. But that principle, it can switch very quickly to something positive, too. So the group mind is very activated right now because they've got it activated. But, you know, that whole flock could easily switch. Yeah, I hope you're right. And so as we're kind of winding down here, I have had a lot of requests to get you on. And some of these people have wanted me to ask you about the notice of liability creator on the website, the sort of plug and play generator for these forms that is probably the main reason people would become members because they want their handheld through this complex process. It doesn't seem like it's quite out yet, but do you have an ETA on when that notice of liability generator would be available? Well, the builder is just going through testing pretty much as we speak. It got completed about three weeks to a month ago. And now we're running people through as testers. And then we're going to start to bring in some of the members to do further testing and make sure it's going to run smoothly and not crash under its own weight. And then we will basically start releasing it. And then once we reach a, you know, where we feel like it can literally open the floodgates, we'll just open it up and, and let it fly. Right on. I like it. Yeah. So we're at the testing phase. The builder is built. Now we have to test and make sure that, you know, some of the glitches are taken out or whatever, but it's not an overhaul. It'll be, you know, just fixing something that's an anomaly or whatever. But we've done internal testing for quite some time. But again, the guys who built it, they know how it works, so they don't make mistakes. You know, so we need to have people that might make a mistake so we can find those. Makes sense. The legal realm is one of specifics. So it's obviously important to get that stuff right. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, man. Desperate times do call for desperate measures, and I know a lot of people are feeling pretty powerless, so why not do this? Even if just to put the fear and the stress on the elite's foot soldiers, they need people lower on the pyramid to implement these agendas, and this process can help make them second think what they're doing at a minimum. And that's a beautiful thing. Yes. Right on. Well, thanks for all the info. I do appreciate what you're doing and the causes that you are focused on. Smart meters, vaccines, 5G, geoengineering, some of the most important issues of our time. 
Any last words for the people as to how to get involved with all this? Well, you can go to empowermovement.com and become a member. And I suggest that you do not wait for the builder, but actually go in and learn. Because the more that you understand this, the stronger it is. Because there's something about that as well. And, and we're finding that people who have done studies, like study the information and even just read the document over and over, their life starts to change outside of these four agendas. But just in general, they start to see the world in a different way and their reality starts to change around them. And that was unexpected, but we have had numerous people write in and say, you know, I read the document 20 times and my life's different. Something's changed inside me. Yes. And to elaborate on that just a bit, I've heard you talk about what seems to be a subconscious acquiescence from police officers and this sort of stuff. And I'm assuming this is what you're referencing with other people who have undertaken the process is maybe in a spiritual way or just a subconscious way or an energetic way, something does shift and these authorities don't really seem to exercise the same power as they might when you are in a fear or stress state and you're unaware of these things. That's what you're talking about? Exactly. They don't get into specifics. All they say is, my life has changed. Something has changed inside me and it's affecting everything in my life. I'm seeing everything differently and I'm getting different reactions here and there on so many levels. It's just, and there's no way to put it into like, you know, again, cause and effect or this exact thing. It's more like something's happened here and my life is now different. Interesting. Well, for people to feel sovereign and empowered has never been more important their mental state is being attacked as much as anything else, and people don't think they have choice, and they actually do, and it is important to remind us all of that as much as we can. So, awesome, Cal. Much appreciated. Keep fighting the good fight and take care out there. Amen. Thanks, Greg. You got it. Good times, guys. I've seen a lot of requests to revisit the legal sphere and all the tricky aspects involved. We haven't done it in quite a long time, and I think Cal was a great guest to scratch that itch for people. I've always been on the fence with this aspect of conspiracy culture, because even though back in the day guys like Jordan Maxwell would make a really good case... It just seems like a lot of folks who go down this road end up making their lives more difficult. It's nice to be right, but it's also nice to not get your car impounded and get taken into a holding cell over a routine traffic stop. And there's absolutely some of that in Cal's story. But on the other hand, it's that inconvenience of it all, or just the threat of it, that gets most people to just pay the ticket, just get the license, or just register the car and be thankful to suckle at the teat of the system, bending over backwards just to have the freedom to go about your day. I absolutely see both sides, and I might be more inclined to be a bigger hassle to the legal system now than I was willing to be when I worked 50 hours a week at GameStop. Like, back when I was a teenager, I had the time and energy to be a pest. But for a person with a demanding job, it's like... Pick your battles. If you don't play ball on some of this stuff, you'll never get any time for yourself. 
because the road Cal walked is a time-consuming one, especially using the trial and error method. But what separates Cal from a lot of the guys who will talk about this legal fiction, personhood, corporation stuff is that with the in power movement, they're actually applying interesting tactics to the major issues of our day and the encroachment of the technocratic takeover. Smart meters, 5G towers, mandatory vaccinations, these are probably right up there at the top of any of our lists, right? And I did want to get this interview out before the 1st of October when this so-called mandate was going into effect. But it's not really a mandate, is it, guys? It's just a bluff because they don't actually have the legal authority to force you to get vaccinated. And this is such a timely lesson in liability, isn't it? Vaccine manufacturers certainly had liability in mind as a priority. The executive branch seems to have as well. And they want private businesses to force the issue. And from what I've seen, some took the bait and others are kind of waiting for something more concrete and official. And I'm hearing that October 15th is a new sort of deadline. In fact, people are talking about October 15th for all sorts of things. Supply shortages, dollar collapses. Christiane Northrup just actually had a pretty interesting Telegram post about the five different therapeutics for COVID that are going to be distributed in the UK on October 20th, or as of October 20th, meaning that people will have official approved alternatives to the jab. And if that's true, that's a great thing, but you could also see that if they know this is coming, that is why they are really pushing before that happens to get as many people in the club as they can, because no one's getting that jab once other choices are introduced. I don't know, but it's a perspective I like because there's some hope in it. She's saying, just be patient and we will get through this bottleneck of sorts. And I hope she's right. I also hope that those of you out there who have been backed into a corner with this mandate are actually staying strong and holding the line. I hope you haven't resigned or just walked away from your job just over the idea that you'd have to do this. Get it in writing. Write a response that you do not want to leave. You are not resigning. Make it clear that you have a good work history and make them say it's over the vaccination on paper because this might be useful to you. There are already several law firms taking these cases. We haven't heard from the Supreme Court about all this, and they might be the checks and balances we need, right? I wouldn't put all my faith in that, but it is a possibility. And if you feel that you need to acquiesce, I know it's a difficult choice, and I don't fault you for that either. We're all in different places in life, and if this had happened 10 years ago, I would have been really fucking stuck, and I probably would have had to do it, because where's a corporate retail management guy going to go when every store in the mall has the same requirements? They're also owned by the same five companies and only give you the illusion of different brands and choices, but that's a different thing. I obviously do feel strongly about the issue. But again, all our circumstances are different. I do empathize, and with society and the economy being as shaky as it is, I don't know how I would deal with the stress of it all. I think your only real chance at legal pushback is getting fired from your job over this, but 
good luck doing the rounds of interviews and trying to get hired as an unvaccinated person and then making a case that you were discriminated against. I feel like that's a lot more of a gray area and a lot harder case to make. Now, I will say that there are no jab job boards popping up out there. If that's a thought that hasn't crossed your mind, know that there are people putting together opportunities with companies owned by those who share our same thoughts on this. It's going to take some duck duck going, but if you just search for unvaccinated job boards, things will come up. And if you're a person who does have a need for services of any kind, if you're an entrepreneur or small business owner, you can help catch these people who have said no to the jab, provide them with an opportunity if you're on that side of the equation. But even as Cal says, to walk this path, you've got to be dedicated to the process. And even though they are working on a notice of liability template builder at the InPower movement, there are no magic pieces of paper. But we're thrust into so many systems and structures that we are just not educated about. So that is why we dig. Today it's merchant law. Eventually we're going to have to get to bird law. Definitely something I learned about from Charlie Kelly. Very important. But so many agreements and obligations and layers to this whole system. And I know it's law merchant, but that just sounds wrong. I can't do it. And really, if we go back to the idea of something like soul retrieval or the accounts of people who have done ayahuasca, agreements and deals and spiritual contracts are a big part of how you work with other beings. I've been told that even as a kid, if you declare something like, if I can just get Megan to go to the dance with me, I'll do anything. Well, there are low-level spirits that will contribute to making that happen and then attach to you. Doing a spiritual cleanse or visiting a shaman can sometimes be largely about clearing out those low-level contracts. Seems like an important thing to do every once in a great while. But that said, the second hour did get a lot more spiritual and biblical. And Cal took us on an intriguing ride. We talked about the importance of jurisdiction and knowing where you really are, the spiritual jurisdiction, the triple crown control structure, the Canadian goose loophole. NASA lies, jailbreaking the earth, codifying the Bible and burying the secret truth, the fallen angels plan to breed into humanity for access to higher realms, defaulting the queen, and the very important question of if AI is really just a container for the demon. Lots of great stuff added to the THC stack, available to plus people. Sign up at thehiresidechats.com. Speaking of agreements, help me out and get yourself twice as much show and explore the massive archive of shows that you only heard half of, as well as getting the THC music and forum access. But we've all heard the spiel. I'll also say that I've been pumping up the THC telegram, especially in the wake of other social media outages and what seems to be a fast tracking of the censorship crackdown. It's very important to have these alternative connections and not just the mainstream ones. But I'm going to keep the wrap-ups pretty short and sweet this month. I'm just trying to stay a little bit ahead so I can carve out some time for me, the wife, and the little Carlwood towards the end of the month. But thanks for listening. I really appreciate what Cal's doing. Worth us taking a look, I would say. But that's it for me. I've done my part. 
Your move, liability offloaders, legal system soldiers, and enemies of sovereign citizens and natural persons. Your fucking move. Well, they tie that yellow ribbon round the oak tree. They've worn out all the prayer in their hearts. All along thought they were rooting for the home team. As they're sent to the game and torn apart. We twist this tourniquet upon the pipeline. That he carries on. Sing with me, and that's where they found.